1980, at a church in San Diego, California, Christ the King Catholic Church, there was a statue of Jesus Christ, and it was vandalized. In fact, here's a picture of it after it was vandalized. As you see, Jesus Christ's hands were removed. So they said, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to fix it? So instead of fixing it, what they did is they put a plaque at the bottom of the statue that says, I have no hands but yours. I have no hands but yours. And as I've been reflecting upon the passage we're going to study this morning, I was uh, inspired, renewed, reminded that we are Jesus Christ's body in this world. Jesus Christ went to heaven. His spirit is here. He empowers us, guides us, but his body is no longer here. We are his body as individuals, as the church, the local body of Christ, and as the body of Christ around the world. And I thought to myself, wow, I have such an incredible opportunity every day to be Jesus Christ to other people. And that's what we're going to be talking about as we continue in our R12 adventure. This is a theme that our church is focusing on church-wide. We're talking about it in our weekend services. Uh, we have small groups. How many are part of an R12 small group out there? Excellent. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, your study. Uh, also, there's a book we've been encouraging you to read, Living on the Edge by Chip Ingram, who put this all together. How many are reading uh, this book? All right. Well, I wish there were more hands up. Uh, pick up this book afterwards. And again, I'm not getting a cut from this, all right? <laughs> what we want to constantly encourage you to do here at Springbrook is to be self-feeders. Now, I come here on Sundays, and, and I give you a pep talk, all right? And to get your engines going, that's kind of my role, teach you some of the Word of God. But if you're only dependent on this weekend service to keep your spiritual life going, you're <laughs> You're going to not go very far. Uh, you've got to learn to feed yourself God's Word. You've got to be in God's Word. So this whole series is a great way to do that. If you're part of a small group, even if you're not, you can get this book. And, and basically these messages are coming from the insights uh, in this book on what the Word of God teaches. And if you want more, and that's really what your desire should be, is buy this book today and read it along with your devotions. Uh, read Romans 12. Meditate upon it. Learn how to feed yourself. That's the whole goal. That's what we're looking for. Uh, just not to be dependent upon a particular service uh, to refuel you spiritually. you got to be doing it every day. got to be in God's Word. Well, let's look at our memory verse for this month. We encourage you to memorize uh, a verse together. Uh, Romans 12:1. let's say it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is the first message we had two weeks ago. And the whole idea is that when a person realizes that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, and when they accept Christ as their Savior, that's a salvation decision. Then 
Beyond that, one needs to make a lordship decision. When you look at all the areas of your life and you come to a point and say, listen, I'm a child of God, but I haven't given Jesus Christ control of my life. He is not the one who is calling the shots. He's not the one I'm living for, the only person I'm living for. That's the lordship decision. And really only make it one time in life, and then you renew it every day through the decisions that you make. And we're encouraging people, if you haven't made that decision, the lordship decision yet, to do that during this series and say, God, everything I have is yours. I'm all in. I want to follow you every day of my life. doesn't mean that overnight you're going to become perfect. That's only going to happen when you die and go to heaven. But it does mean that you have an intention, that you want to give everything you have to God. So if you haven't made that decision, I encourage and challenge you uh, to do that. So to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You give everything to God. Now last week we talked about Romans 12, 2. And we read there, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we said, if you really want a transformed life, if you really want the life that Jesus wants from you, first of all, don't conform to this world. This world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. It's trying to make you like itself. And that's not a very pretty thing. So you need to say, stop. Stop conforming me, world. And the only way to overwhelm the world is say, God, transform me. Renew my mind. That's where everything begins. That's where your attitudes flow from, your behavior, the way you live your life. Transform my mind through your word. And what will happen? You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, what he really wants from you. So this morning we're going to be looking at what it means to serve Jesus Christ. And I, I want to just point out the relationship here. What Paul's doing is he's building things up here uh, in regards to what a Christian life looks like. Now, let's say a person says, hey, I have Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. And you look at the person and they've declared that. But as you look at their life, they're really not involved in any ministry at the church they attend, like Springbrook. They're not engaged in any way. Uh, then on top of that, they're not involved in any ministry outside the church. So if you were to analyze it, you'd say, I don't think Jesus Christ is Lord of your life because ministry naturally flows out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you might have somebody who's really involved in ministry. They're serving, you know, three nights a week and on Sunday mornings. And you look at that person and say, well, Jesus Christ must be the Lord of their lives, but maybe not. It's their motivation for ministry. Their motivation for ministry might be that they just love to be involved in things, whether it be the church or other community organizations. They want to be engaged. Or maybe it's because their kids are going through the program. Many times you see that. It's wonderful. Parents get involved in ministries that their kids are involved in. Maybe that's their motivation. Or maybe they think it's just a thing to do, trying to impress others. Who knows what their motivation? But their motivation is not because... Jesus Christ is Lord of their life. And when we talk about ministry, friends, you've got to understand that it needs to flow out of a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, is knowing Jesus, letting Jesus live through you, letting Jesus be the center of your life. And when you do that, you're going to be led to a lordship decision, and then you're going to have that 
daily transforming of your mind and you're just going to have this love relationship with Christ and you're just going to want to do ministry. I tell you, the one reason that people get burned out on ministry is because they don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and they're just doing it out of duty without the power of Jesus Christ. And that's why they say, oh, I can't do ministry anymore. You see the connection? you got to have that vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be committed to Him as your Lord, and then the ministry is going to flow. Now, before we get into our passage this morning, I want to give you some information that will be helpful, especially uh, if you are new and you're kind of joining our series, and just to help you understand some different things. First of all, we're going to be talking a lot about spiritual gifts this morning. So I want to define what a spiritual gift is. Spiritual gifts are God-given abilities to help other believers grow. So when a person becomes a Christ follower, when they're born again, they receive, I think, several spiritual gifts, supernatural abilities. For example, one of them is encouragement. Now, a person can naturally be encouraging. That can just be an ability they have, the way their personality is wired. But when a person receives the spiritual gift of encouragement, God really can work through that in a much deeper way. So we're talking about spiritual encouragement especially. It's not just, oh, you're looking good today. (laughs) It's like, hey, I really see you growing in your spiritual life. And you really made an impact in that person's life uh, spiritually. Uh, I see you becoming more like Jesus Christ. So it's talking about spiritual encouragement. And it's something they wouldn't have if they weren't a Christ follower or if they didn't have the gift of encouragement. Not everybody gets the gift of encouragement. That's the, the beauty of the body of Christ is that we all have different gifts. It's a big mix And we put it all together, and it makes up the body of Christ. So we all have a spiritual gift, those of us who know Jesus personally. Believers have typically more than one spiritual gift. For example, my spiritual gifts, evangelism and leadership and uh, teaching uh, and a few others trailing off there. Those are the predominant ones. Uh, But you have several that uh, you want to develop. Uh, They're different from natural abilities. For example, if a person has the gift of teaching or the ability to teach, natural ability to teach, and they teach in the school classroom, doesn't necessarily mean that they have the spiritual gift of teaching, of being able to take biblical truth and present it in an understandable way where people want to actually put it into action in their lives. Now, many times there's a correlation there, but sometimes there's not. So again, it's a supernatural gift. You see, When you're using your gift and the Spirit's power is flowing through you, something supernaturally is happening that doesn't happen when you're just using uh, your natural abilities out in the work world or wherever it might be. Some spiritual gifts, evangelism is one, the ability to lead people to Christ, administration is one, uh, wisdom, just having a real uh, knowledge of the Word of God and being able to apply that to life, discernment being able to see between the lines, being able to discern what people's motives are when they're trying to pretend and that type of thing. So that's what spiritual gifts are. And that's very important I present that because as we dive into this passage, what Paul is going to be addressing are people who think that they have a lot of spiritual gifts and that they're doing really well in those spiritual gifts and in ministry And so he addresses that right away before he talks about using your spiritual gift. He says, first of all, hey, you guys are kind of out of control here. You've got to take a sober assessment of yourself. Let's look at it 
in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For by the grace given me, he's talking about his authority as apostle, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So he says, don't think more highly than you ought to of yourself. Now, there's a lot of people who struggle with pride. In fact, it's all of us. <laughs> Some people uh, have a little more of that issue uh, than others. It's interesting how we think we're much better than we are. In fact, there was a study done by a team of psychologists, and they did a survey of a million college students. And they said, we want to know how you assess your relational skills. How good are you relationally? So these high school stu students, they filled this out. None of them said they were below average in their relationship skills. None of them. All right, okay. 60% said they were in the top 10% of their peers in relationship skills. 1%, or excuse me, 25% of them said they were in the top 1%. Now, if you have spent any time with a large group of high schoolers, that does not ring true. Right? No, that does not ring true at all. But they have an overinflated view of themselves, which is, we all struggle with that. They did a similar study with, with professors. People were very knowledgeable, and they asked the same question. And 2% said they were below average, okay? 63% <laughs> said they were above average. And 25% of all professors in the study said they were exceptional. Now, if you've hung around professors in a college environment, that does not ring true, <laughs> okay? We all struggle with this. We think we're better than we are. And that's sin. When we live that out, when we try to tell other people that, we need to take a sober assessment with sober judgment. Sober means in your right mind. <laughs> so that means that if you're thinking more of yourself than you are, you're out of your mind. Now You've got to think about it in your right mind. We've got to take a look at ourselves. Because, friends, I hate to break it to you, but you're average. Say that to the person next to you. You're average. I don't want to be average. I want to be special. I want to be exceptional. Right? We're pretty much we're average. Now, certainly there are areas in our life where we excel. No doubt about that. We're above average. But many of us think we're above average in more areas than we really are. So what Paul is saying, hey, you guys who are focusing on your spiritual gifts and think you're so cool <laughs> doing ministry, take a close look at your life. Don't be inflating things so other people will pay attention to you and think you're so great. Just kind of take it down a notch and see what God is doing in your life. And he says, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The measure of faith God has given you. When God gives you a spiritual gift, it's a very unique thing for each person. I'm looking forward to the Oscars tonight. Anybody else out there? An Oscar lover, Academy Awards. You know what they give to movie stars. <laughs> Does anybody watch the Oscars out here? Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> the Grammys, well, whatever. But uh, this past Friday, my wife and I, Lori, uh, we went to see uh, 
The King's Speech. How many have seen this King's Speech? Ah, incredible movie, huh? Oh, man. The second time I've seen it. And Colin Firth is King George VI, who had a uh, stuttering problem. And here is right in the middle, or the war was just starting. And incredible movie. And he has a monster acting gift. Just incredible. Now, you look at Jeff Bridges in True Grit. How many saw True Grit? Let's see True Grit? Okay. Uh, he also is nominated uh, for Best Actor along uh, with Colin Firth. And he has an incredible monster gift. But they're very, very different in the way they act. Neither of those people could have switched roles, right? So when you have a particular ability or spiritual gift, as we're talking about here, you have a uniqueness in the way you live it out. Uh, you have a certain capacity. For example, people who are nominated for Academy Awards, they have monster abilities. And there's a lot of other actors. There's a lot of community actors. You've got high school actors. So they have different levels of ability. You have a certain capacity with your spiritual gift. For example, I have the gift of teaching. Uh, I listen to other pastors. I listen to other teachers. And, and some of them I say, wow, how do they do that? I mean, that, that's incredible how they put it together and, and how they communicate it. And they have a monster gift compared to mine. Uh, and I need to realize that God has given me a certain level of the gift of teaching. And I shouldn't be jealous of those other people. And it happens, like all of us. But I should accept what God has given me, that God has given me a certain capacity with the gift of teaching. But the most beautiful thing is that I express it in a unique way. Each of us is like a beautiful painting that God puts together. Now, several of us might have the gift of teaching, but we have it to different capacities, and we also have a unique way of expression. It's like we're a beautiful painting, and you're saying, yeah, Harrison's a piece of work, that's for sure. And you're right, I am a piece of work. You won't find another guy out there like me, thankfully. But, but you're the same way. You're a beautiful piece of artwork that God has put together, that he has blended spiritual gifts into your life that you're to discover and deploy and enjoy. That's a beautiful thing about ministry. And that's what we're looking at uh, today. Now, Galatians 6.3 says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He deceives himself. So we need to have a sober assessment of ourselves. It's not like we're down on ourselves, but we say, okay, what is God really doing in my life? I know what God would like to do, and I compare myself to others, which, of course, is very sinful and very discouraging. Don't do that. Just look what God is doing in your life and use your gift because you need to find out what your spiritual gift is because that's a prime determiner of what God wants you to do for Him in this life. What part of the body of Christ you are and what your job is to do here on this earth. So finding your spiritual gift and using it and all those kind of things are critical. And that's why we want to take a closer look at it. So what do we do in serving Jesus? We need to do the attitude check first and say, okay, what are my spiritual gifts? And let's not get out of hand here. The second thing is we need to acknowledge your role. Acknowledge your role. You have a role in the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have do not all have the same function so we have our bodies 
and they have all types of functions. But we don't think a lot about our bodies. We think usually about what appears to other people in terms of our face and uh, our hair and uh, what we wear and how much fat we have and those type of things. We're thinking about that. We don't usually think about the parts of the body that are important but that are not that apparent until something hurts, right? I think of Katie Willard who fell off a rock climbing wall and shattered uh, her ankles and did a lot of other things. And, and I'm sure she was in the last service and she thought she's been thinking a lot about her ankles lately, okay? Because they're hurting and she's doing wonderfully in her recovery. Praise the Lord for that. Tony Lopez fell on the ice recently in the last couple of weeks and broke his leg in a very serious way. And he's in a lot of pain, so you can be praying for Tony. Uh, Pat Schmidt and uh, Chris Schmidt over here. Uh, they had a hip replacement. Now, Chris, I never think about my hips. Okay, <laughs> I just never, how are the hips doing today? You know. Now I know if I was in pain, I'd be thinking a lot about my hips, right? And hips are important. And both uh, uh, Chris and Pat are doing well in that way. But friends, every part of our body is important. It plays a significant role. Let's say you go into surgery, and uh, to remove something and the surgeon sits down with you afterwards and says, hey, everything went really well. You're doing well. We removed that part of your body. And you know what? Today is a two-for-one special. So we took another part out. Uh, you didn't have to spend any money for it. And what are you going to say? Well, that's great. You say, well, what part you take out? I'm sorry, we can't disclose that because of HIPAA laws. Uh, <laughs> what part did you take out? Right? We need every part of our body. And friends, we at Springbrook need every part of our body in operation. And I'll be honest with you, some of you are sitting on your gifts, <laughs> okay? Some of you are not using your gifts. Some of you don't know your gifts, and, and that's okay. I mean, if you, if you don't know, you should be looking for them. But you've got to engage here. We need every part of our body engaged so that we can be the full body of Jesus Christ to reach this area for Him. So I challenge you to find your gift, discover it, then use it and develop it. So I say discover, deploy, and develop. I don't know why I didn't put it in my notes. But uh, <laughs> that's the idea. You discover it, you deploy it, and then you develop it. Uh, your spiritual uh, gift. Now, we go into verse 5. So in Christ, we're all in Christ. He's using all our gifts and that kind of thing. We who are many form one body. That's the body of Christ. And each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all of us. We belong to each other. This is different than any other community organization. This is a body. We're, we're Christ followers and, and we belong to each other. We have a responsibility to one another, to care for one another, encourage one another, use our spiritual gift to build each other up. It's a beautiful place to belong, isn't it? So many people struggle with loneliness in their lives. Well, certainly the body of Christ is a place, if you choose to engage, where you can find friends who share the same values as you. Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 talks more about the body of Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body, his body. From him the whole body joined and held together. That's all of us who are Christ followers here. 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament. How many have ever torn a ligament out there? That's real painful, right? Wouldn't you say your ligament's a pretty important part of your body? Okay. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention is that many times you think, well, my, my spiritual gift isn't very important. I mean, I have the gift of administration, just making sure all the parts of a ministry are done and emails are sent out and phone calls are made and plans are done. That's not very important. Well, yeah, it is very important because that's how ministry gets done. You might be a ligament that nobody sees, but if we're missing that ligament, we're going to be hurting as a ministry. We're not going to reach our full capacity. So whether it's a hip, whether it's a ankle, whether it's a leg, whether it's a ligament, whatever role you're playing, it's important. It's critically important in doing God's work. So every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the genius of the body of Christ. This is a genius of the local church is that, that we're all here. Those of us who know Christ have that spiritual gift and we're working together in ministry. We're working together in discipling people, right? Our, our theme this year, our vision is to be a fully engaged team. And we want to be fully engaged in helping other people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ through by being involved in ministry, by using our spiritual gift. So we build our body up through love, love flows through everything, as each part does its work. Now to each one the manifest, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it goes on now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So you've been given a spiritual gift not to help yourself. Your spiritual gift is not for your benefit. It can benefit you, for example, if you have the gift of wisdom or knowledge, as you study scripture, those kind of things. But it's given in order that you might help other people here at Springbrook. People need to be developed and encouraged. Christopher Langman was featured in a book called Quitters. This particular man, when he was in high school, he was brilliant. He had an IQ of 195. Einstein only had 150. <laughs> uh, he could sit down with any foreign language book, study it for two to three minutes, then take a test, and he'd ace it. He got a perfect score on his SAT, which he fell asleep in during the test. <laughs> it got boring. You know what he spent his life doing? working on a horse farm. And what the author says is the reason that he didn't fully use his intelligence is because there was no support system around him. There was no one to encourage him, to challenge him, to guide him, to take him to where he needed to go in order to develop who he was. Well, friends, we at Springbrook, we have all different types of people here. This morning we have people who just came in for the first time and they don't really know a lot about what I'm talking about, but they're trying to understand. I haven't been to church in a while, and we're so grateful that you're here. Thanks for coming. We have people who are new Christians, like newborn babies in a nursery. And we need to care for people who don't know the Lord and help them to come to the Lord. And then we have babies in the nursery we need to care for. And, and as people progress in their spiritual life, you know, like in elementary and uh, teenagers and 20s and 30s, spiritually speaking, you see, we're in developing people spiritually, helping them to grow to become like Jesus Christ. And it's a team effort. We've got to have everybody on the field 
making it happen. Because it's a beautiful thing when God works through our lives. So how are we going to do this? Well, Luke 19.10. This talks about being Christ's body. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that what was lost. That was Jesus Christ's desire, to seek and save that which was lost. That's the mission of our church, to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. First of all, we have to evangelize and to bring them into relationship with Christ, and then we need to disciple. Now, we've primarily been talking about discipling today, and continue, we'll continue to do that in terms of helping people to grow in their relationship. But evangelism is also important. If we're the body of Christ here on earth, we need to be working hard at that. We have a prayer goal. Right now, I've seen 50 two or more people come to Christ this year. And i got some great news. We already have seven decisions, seven people who have made that, that uh, decision. In fact, uh, a young man named Devin came to our baptism class, and Pastor Richard had a chance to talk with him, and he didn't know the Lord. So if you're going to be baptized, obviously you need to know Jesus. That's the main thing. And so uh, Pastor Rich had a chance to lead into Christ just last week. So God is changing lives every week in terms of bringing people to himself. And we need to really work hard at this. That's why we're having our spring outreach that starts on March 20th. We're going to do a postcard campaign. This is the postcard we're going to be sending out. I love that postcard. That's the kind of postcard that people, they don't care what's on the back. They put it on their cube. They put it on their fridge. You know, it's just kind of a funny thing. A lot of people feel that way. So we're going to be doing a series on help for life's challenges, a study in the life of Joseph. It's going to be a five-week study leading up to Easter, again, starting on March 20th. And so March 20th is our big weekend. We want to challenge you to think about who you can bring out to the service that weekend. Who are the people who you think are ready for an invite? And have them come out because, again, this particular series is geared more toward believers. There's a lordship series. We've talked about that, right? Uh, this series will apply to believers, but also will be very seeker-sensitive in regards to people who don't know uh, the Lord. So if you're thinking about inviting somebody out, think about that particular weekend. And leading up to Easter, we're really going to be talking about what it means uh, to deal with life's challenges from God's viewpoint. Uh, we're going to have a, a blitz on March 13th, a blitz on March 13th after service. Uh, we're going to go out and we're going to, well, first we're going to have pizza. That's the most important thing. And then after that, as we get the important things out of the way, then we're going to go out and distribute these postcards in businesses in Huntley and Randall, Randall area, Lake in the Hills, Algonquin, and so we go up to Woodstock. You know, We're going to blanket uh, businesses with these postcards, anybody who will take them. And then we're sending 40000 out to our community, and then we're going to give you a lot to take out to your community. So it's going to be an exciting time to see who God brings our way. Because we're the body of Christ, and if Jesus Christ was here on earth, he would be constantly telling people about himself. So now it's our job, right, to get that job done. Let's go back to discipleship, activating your spiritual gift. Romans 12, 6 through 8 speaks of this. It says, we have different gifts. We all have different gifts, right? Different capacities, different unique ways we use those gifts according to the grace given us. That's not talking about salific grace, what brings us into relationship with Jesus Christ. It's talking again about the capacity we have, what God chooses to do through our lives. 
If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's prophesying, there's a lot of different interpretations of what the gifts mean. I believe that means preaching, proclaiming the good news of Christ. That's what the original language uh, speaks of. So right now I'm prophesying to you. I'm telling you about who Jesus Christ is and what he can do in your life and how to live the Christian life. Uh, I'm prophesying. So if you have the gift of prophecy, let him use it. And I want to thank you for letting me use my gift. It's a great joy. That's another great thing about spiritual gifts, man. They're fun. <laughs> when you're using your spiritual gift, it is so enjoyable uh, to minister. Uh, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, again, God enables you to have a certain capacity, but the only way to fill up that capacity is by having the faith in Jesus Christ to make it happen, to have Jesus Christ move through you in order to fulfill that particular gift. And I want to give a challenge for those of you who have been Christians for a long time. Now, you might know what your spiritual gift is. You might have studied all different types of inventories and you know have these lists of what your spiritual gifts are. But again, I have to ask you, are you using it? Are you developing it? Are you cultivating, cultivating it? Those of you uh, who are working have a career and you have certain skills that are marketable. And the reason people hire you is because you have a marketable skill that can add value to their organization. I'll tell you what, everyone who's a Christ follower, God has given you a skill to build people up spiritually. And he's given you a specific skill. Now, if you have an accounting skill, uh, you're going to be consistently studying accounting things, getting magazines about accounting, uh, professional journals, things of that nature. If you're in the medical field, you're going to be constantly studying about whatever your medical skill is so you can keep up with it. Well, if you have a spiritual gift, you need to approach it in the same way. You need to find out what that spiritual gift, and then you need to develop it throughout your life. That's your purpose. That's your focus in ministry. That's what defines where you're going. So if you have the spiritual gift of, uh, let's say, uh, leadership, well, you need to be reading books on leadership. You need to be talking with other people who have the spiritual gift of leadership. You need to be learning and growing. So here's my question for you. For those of you who are Christians and know your gift, what have you done to develop your spiritual gift in the last year? Number one is you just have to use it. That's the way you develop it. But what else are you doing to become better at what God has given you, to increase your faith? Are you trusting in Christ to use that gift? So again, in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. There are some people that just have the gift of helps. I think of my friend Aldici who's going to come up in a moment and share with us. But this guy has a gift of helps. The gift of helps is you just go to this person and say, hey, could you help in this area? And they don't say, well, that's not my gift. <laughs> don't say that, okay? I mean, in some cases it's fine, but some people, well, that's not my gift. <laughs> uh, a person with a gift of helps just says, hey, I'll help you no matter what. What do you want me to do? It doesn't matter. You don't even have to. I'll just say yes to it. What do you want me to do? <laughs> they just want to help, and that's Al. He's been in our ministry for years, and uh, he's always there. He's helped in so many different ways, and that is the gift of helps. Uh, wonderful people in the gift in the uh, body of Christ. Uh, if it is teaching, let him teach. There's all different types of teaching. For example, Anita Kodrowski has been serving, I think, since the beginning of our ministry in our K-1 area, kindergarten and first grade. And 
She's just served there over a 14-year period. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That's a person who's using her spiritual gift, cultivating it, and bless, she's blessed our kids when they were that age. And how many, anybody have their kids right now in that age group? Okay, well, you're getting blessed, right? Yeah. So isn't that cool when you find your spiritual gift? It doesn't mean you have to be locked into one ministry for a long time. A lot of people kind of morph from one ministry to another ministry. It's a journey. It's a wonderful journey throughout your spiritual life in terms of all the different ministries that you can be involved in, but you always have the same spiritual gift you're using. For example, the gift of administration, that can be used in any ministry. The gift of leadership, that can be used in any ministry. So we'll talk about that uh, in a moment uh, in terms of where you determine where you're going to use it. So if it is encouraging, let him encourage. How many have been encouraged by somebody with a spiritual gift of encouragement lately? Uh, Don't you love those people? Man, you want to hang with those people. You want to take them out to lunch? Just encourage me. That's all I want you to do. <laughs> right? The gift of encouragement. Uh, we all need encouragement. If it is, con- and there's, there's another point. We're all supposed to encourage, right? That's what the Bible says. But some of us have the supernatural gift of encouragement. You know, for some people to encourage another person, says, okay, I've got to encourage this person. What am I going to say to them? Okay, think about that. Okay, all right. Well, this is what I'm going to say to them i got to write it down so when we're sitting down at lunch, you know, I'll have a cue sheet there. Oh, yes, I wanted to encourage you, right? A spiritual gift, man. They don't even have to think about it. It just flows naturally through the Spirit. They're just encouraging everybody. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to plan it. It just, that's what a spiritual gift is, and that's why they're so fun. All right, we go on. Uh, If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Hey, you, you got the gift of giving? I think of Jeff Silverfine down here, who is a leader of our uh, uh, stewardship ministries, uh, generosity ministries, and his wife, Michelle. Um, he's got the gift of giving. And he gives in so many different ways. Uh, he, he just inspires. He inspires me uh, in that way. Uh, it goes on. It says, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. Think of John Hathaway, right back there. Uh, He's up here leading our worship today. And John is a gift of leadership. Uh, We went through a worship transition, and John stepped in and said, I'll lead. And he's done a great job. And I I just, you know, I love to watch leaders at work. They they just know how to lead. They know how to put things together. It's just a whole set of skills. And I'm so grateful, John, for you stepping up uh, in that way. it goes on, uh, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I think of Michelle Soberfine, uh, Jeff's wife, and she's part of our compassion team with Mark Euston, and she just has such a mercy gift. Uh, she's always, uh, she coordinates our Thanksgiving uh, meals here uh, at uh, well, Thanksgiving, and um uh, she's just always doing things down at Jeff's office. Uh, she's um, always having food drives, and it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, sometimes when I'm around people like that, there's another couple here last night at the Wright Tells who are so full of mercy toward other people, people who are in need, people who are hurting. I start to feel guilty. It's kind of like, Harrison, what's wrong with you? You know, are you not compassionate? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the purpose of having a spiritual gift. What I need to do is I need to celebrate Michelle's gift. Thank God she gave, uh, God gave her the gift of mercy 
And I shouldn't feel guilty. I should be inspired by her because that's another purpose of having a spiritual gift is that when you evangelize or ministrate or lead or whatever, people learn from you. So I'm supposed to get out there and let people know about Jesus Christ. And let's say I didn't have the gift of evangelism. If I looked at somebody else who has a gift of evangelism, I'd be inspired by them and say, what can I learn from them in doing what God wants me to do? That's the whole idea. You're a leader in the area of encouragement. You're a leader in the area of administration. You're a leader in the area of hospitality. You set the pace. You're the champion within the church that other people follow because you have your spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you. And, and notice this passage. Um, if a man's given his prophesying, let him use it. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing, let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. And we want you to do it. We want you to do it. And that's why I'm challenging you. We want you to do it. Do it. Put your spiritual gift in the action. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Again, the idea that He creates you in a unique way to use your spiritual gift. How do you discover your spiritual gift? Let's look at this slide. Uh, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Jump into ministry. Again, fill out our first serve guide uh, that we've filled out uh, or that we've given out to you in our programs. Fill that out and let us know how you want to uh, check out a particular ministry. And that's a great way to find your spiritual gift. Just get involved in ministry. You'll find out soon what you like, what you don't like, those type of things. Uh, look for affirmation. If people come up to you and say, wow, you, you do such a good job teaching uh, that class. Well, you know, you might have the gift of teaching. Spiritual gift class, Richard will be teaching April 2nd, 9th, and 16th. And, excuse me, Saturday, 8.30 to 10.30. Uh, that is a wonderful class to take. So many people have really benefited from that. So if you really want to find out what your spiritual gift is, sign up for that class when it comes around and just keep on uh, serving. Uh, you also want to look at your shape, your shape. Uh, we talk a lot about this at Springbrook. What are your spiritual gifts? What's your heart passion? What are you really excited about? Ministering to young people, ministering to older adults, ministering to people who lost a loved one. What are your abilities? What abilities do you have? We have people up here with musical abilities, people there with technical abilities in the back. Uh, what are your abilities? What's your personality? How does that fit into it? What are your experiences you've had? You want to look at all those different things as you discover your spiritual gift. And finally, you want to look at 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Being Jesus to people. It's your responsibility to use your gift. I want El Dici to come up at this time. El has been a Christ follower for 30 years. Uh, he is now back on our overseers, our elder board. And we're so glad to have him in that leadership position. But tell us about your spiritual gift journey, my friend. Well, I guess if I look at my journey, I'd start with... Um when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I was very invested in church life prior to that point. And um, at uh, that stage, I made that commitment. Uh, suddenly, I was inspired to be doing some different things than I was before that. Uh, first thing I did was I read the Bible cover to cover and uh, read it with new eyes, new insights, uh, and it was just a powerful experience. And one of the things that stood out as I went through that process was uh, understanding a little bit about gifts and what they were all about. So uh, my early uh, research was with an uh, author by the name of C. Peter Wagner, and uh, he had quite a bit of information about discovering your spiritual gifts. 
So I started to look into that and realize that uh, the gift of uh, leadership and the gift of teaching were a couple of them. And, uh, uh, but I continued to, to just research and uh, experiment. The church I was in allowed me to just do all kinds of things. We had all kinds of ministry needs and not a lot of people to fill it. So that gave me the opportunity to jump in here, there, and everywhere. And uh, you, you kind of quickly got a sense for those uh, positions that were fulfilling for you and those positions that um, were a little bit more of a drain, what you were willing to do. Um, that was sort of a pilot for me as to what direction to go on, on discovering my gifts. Um, four or five different uh, assessments for gifts were uh, programs I went through and uh, got a chance to experience what those were like. And, uh, but uh, then we came to Springbrook, and uh, when I was at Springbrook, one of the things I did was I was kind of questioning my career choice. So I got some materials from a group called Navigators, and uh, they said, well, this is what you do to kind of get an assessment for where you're gifted to work and where your talents are. And they said, go back and look at your life. See what kinds of things were exciting for you, what kinds of things you've achieved in life, uh, what kinds of things were the most fulfilling in life. And um, so using those as, as kind of a guide points, I started saying the same things apply to my spiritual gifts. Um, so that became the point of reference. Um, Dan talking about the toolbox, you know, and all the different uh, skills and things available for a church to grow and function uh, inside that toolbox. And then there was Rick Warren, who talks a lot about uh, the spiritual giftedness and just everything in life is, is an experience that leads to something else. God doesn't waste any of our chances or opportunities. So as I started to put these things together, I became more and more comfortable with the areas in which I was gifted. And feedback from other people in terms of confirming, yes, that's an area you have some, some areas of giftedness. So I, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, teaching Christianity 101. I, I just love getting in touch with new believers and just sensing their excitement and helping to um, get them connected with those uh, things in the, in the scriptures that will help them to grow and become uh, uh, more mature as Christians. And then um, uh, we also have um, a lot of the programs going on here at Springbrook. I got involved with our program, uh, one that um, Richard Woodward teaches on spiritual gifts. And um, it, it's got a whole new perspective that it added, and, and some really powerful things began to happen for me. I discovered a gift that's been kind of out there forever for me, and I just didn't think much about it. It was like one of my real favorite hobbies. It's building things. It's, it's, uh, I built a deck in the back of the house. I built a, a play area for the kids in the back, and, and just uh, I enjoyed designing them and building them. And so for me, it was a hobby. And, and this class helped me to realize that that's a gift God gave me, and, and it's something I can share with the body here. It's not just something I keep for myself and my family, but I can use it in a lot of different ways. So beginning to explore that one further. But um, I'm convinced that this body has all the gifts it needs to be a highly functional church. There's no question in my mind. But there's a difference between having the gifts and applying the gifts. And, and that's the area that usually is the biggest discrepancy. That the gifts are here, but we just need to understand, to, to, to get motivated to search them out and, and try and, and uh, get connected with them so we can apply them in ministry. You know, when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the rest of our life gets lived out in gratitude. And um, there's no greater way of doing that than to discover your gift and apply your gift. And in doing so, there's a sense of fulfillment that you can find no place else. And it's worth every bit of it. So God bless you as you search. Thank you. That's beautiful to listen to. There's a guy who's been a Christian 30 years in his walk with the Lord and 
use his gifts and you know, I hope that as years go by, you can cultivate your gift and use it for His glory. Everybody take out your welcome slip at this time. I always encourage everybody to turn this in, no matter how long you've been attending Springbrook. Just name the number of adults that are at Springbrook, that are attending the day, that is. Uh, put their names down, and that's all we need. Uh, but also, we want you to fill out these next steps. I will discover my gifts. So you're saying, I want to discover my gifts. Now, we're not going to contact you on any of these unless I notate them. But uh, you're just making a declaration. This is a step I'm going to take. I'm going to look into what my gifts are, or I'll cultivate my gifts. I've been challenged today uh, to put more energy into developing my gift. I want more information about spiritual gift class. Now, we'll contact you about that, give you information. That's a great first step. I want to attend uh, the newcomer's lunch next week. You want to learn more about what our ministry is about. I'd love to spend time uh, lunch with you uh, after the service uh, next week. So uh, circle one of those. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time you've given us to talk about the incredible gifts that you entrust to us as Christ followers. And I pray we be inspired this week to find our gifts, discover them, to deploy them, and to develop them. I pray that we'd realize what a tremendous responsibility we have to be your body here on this earth. I pray that we would let uh, your Holy Spirit flow through us and guide us into how we're to use our gifts. In Christ's name, amen. If we could have our ushers.